0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for showing up today. Today I have the amazing Amber, who's a professional organizer. And if you want to know, uh, if you have ever considered to hire a professional organizer, then stick with us. We are going to ask her some questions, so she's going to answer them for us. And so, Amber, welcome.
1: Thank you, I'm glad to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. You know, nowadays there is a big, big thing about becoming more minimalized because we all have a lot of stuff and uh, I have been one of those that kept buying buying stuff just because it was beautiful or in se- on sale. So I'm really struggling now to declutter in my life and I know it's a very common thing. In fact, people like Marie Kondo and minimalists become more and more popular. And recently Mm -hmm. I listened to Spark Joy and I really loved it because I'm very sentimental. And Mm -hmm. in fact, I will ask you later a question about people attached to sentimental things, how to deal with it. But first of all, I would like to ask you, what are your main responsibilities as a professional organizer?
1: Yeah, so as a professional organizer, it can... Be as big or as small of a project as you want. So some professional organizers will tackle somebody's entire life, and they're almost like a life coach of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, me personally, I specifically focus on people's spaces, so your home, your office, and creating systems to make those spaces work for you, so that doing the easy thing is doing the right thing. Because if it's mm-hmm. you know automatically easy to put your coat on the hook, then if you have a hook there, then you're going to do it right every single time. So it's inventing ways to make the space work for you. It's walking a client through that process of letting go of items, especially those sentimental ones and basically bringing awareness to my clients that how much stuff they actually have. You know, if they have 15 sweatshirts, they only wear two of them. You know, a lot of people just, tuck the others in the back of the closet, and they don't see them again for the next five years. So just bringing kind of awareness of your space and downsizing it so that it's just the things that you really care about that take that space up and take the space of your mind of knowing where they are, what they are. That's kind of the general overview of of what I do.
0: Awesome. So basically, I love the thing about the hook. So it's basically... Uh, I play everything in a place and a place for everything kind of thing, right? Powerful. Absolutely. So it becomes yeah. easy and ma- mm-hmm. mechanical. And uh, yeah, that's a very interesting thing about how much stuff we have. We only realize that whenever we move, we oh, find yeah. stuff we forgot.
1: Oh, I help a lot of people move because of what I do. I, I do move, move management a lot because of how much people realize, oh, I need to pack and then they open their garage or they open their attic or their basement and they go I haven't opened that box since two moves ago and I've been living here for five years what is even in that box anymore that's when you get called is when people just get overwhelmed with the amount of stuff they have
0: yeah and in your experience um what, how clutter affects us like mentally um, and
1: it's it's a weight, you know, when you've just got all those things to do and you feel that pressure in your chest, it's just, it adds anxiety. It, it, you know, increases depression issues. If you're susceptible to either of those, it's, I mean, it overwhelms the space that's supposed to be your center, right? Home Mm. is supposed to be the oasis from the rest of the world and what's going on. But when your home is just as busy and fast and chaotic as the rest of the world, you can't, find that place to just relax and be so it's, yeah it's huge having a space that's a pleasure. it can make the difference between you know getting up and going for your morning run and oh I guess I'm just gonna stay in bed because if I get out of bed I know I'm gonna have to go clean up the living room or pick up dishes from last night or mm. I mean, it's huge
0: so like what are some of the biggest tips you have for someone who wants to leave a clutter-free, clutter clutter dyslexic <laughs> this time of the night, clutter-free free life?
1: There you go. Um, there's, there's so many different ways because everyone thinks a little bit differently. So you have to really experiment and find the system that works for you. You know, for my husband and I, we're never home, so doing a daily habit is really, really hard for us because we only stay at our house maybe five nights a week because we're always out and about doing stuff, and you know, of those five nights, we don't get home till late. So for us, we have one day where we have, you know, three hours chunked out, and that's the day that we put everything back where it needs to, where everything gets reset, And after that, we have, you know, tea or we go relax or we do something enjoyable because we need to reward ourselves if you're doing a big project, like going through your house. But you have to get through that initial decluttering stage. Mm. Set time aside. Make it intentional. Bring other people in if you're feeling comfortable with having other people in your space. Make it fun. I mean, get Mm -hmm. pizza or takeout and... Make it an enjoyable process, but Mm. you've got to set that time aside and be intentional about your space. It's just like every other facet of health. You know, you intentionally set time aside to go to the gym, you intentionally set time aside to cook. You need to Mm. intentionally set time for your environment.
0: Okay. So, some to make some space in time for it, like on purpose, not like, oh, I have 10 minutes, let's see what I can do.
1: Yeah. Hmm. intentionally set that time aside and start small I mean you don't have to be a professional organizer and do this 10 hours a day every day of the week you know Hmm. you can do start with that junk drawer I mean everyone's got a junk drawer I I have (laughs) two. exactly and some people have a junk cupboard and like it just grows beyond that point but if you start in one spot and you take each item pull it out of the drawer, wipe down the bottom of the drawer. It's the last time you're going to see the bottom of that drawer for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you
1: take each item and you go, okay, batteries need to go with the batteries out in the garage and the, you know, flashlight needs to stay in the drawer because that's where I'm going to look for it. If the power goes out and you just have to be intentional about each of those items. It's all about awareness and intentionality.
0: Okay. And, uh like when you said before that you are one who works with space do you have like uh, do you suggest a space to start with or depends from the person it depends a lot on the
1: person this is something that's you know debated a lot you know Marie Kondo starts with everybody's closet she loves starting people with clothes because clothes generally are not super sentimental and you know you've got a couple of things that you really care about from when you were in school or when you were you know ran a marathon or that kind of thing but overall they're pretty unsentimental. I like to start with things like linen closets. Um, Bathrooms are usually pretty safe to start in and pretty if either you use the product or you don't use the product. Um, those neutral spaces though, like a drum, like a junk drawer, like those are the great places to start because you can start figuring out how the process is going to make you feel before you hit those gut wrenching, you know, mom's China mm. and, you know, grandpa's war medals and, you know, those sentimental items that are just going to hurt when you're looking at them. Mm. Yeah, I will
0: ask you, actually, let me ask you now, like guilt, the guilt when somebody doesn't, something doesn't spark joy, but we keep it out of guilt because it was uh, a family heirloom or something. How do you suggest to handle with those big emotional things that maybe they don't
1: Yeah, if you're ready to release it and you don't want it in your life and you have no desire to save it for future kids or somebody else in the family. I start by offering it to somebody else in the family, see if you know there's a sentimental person who's mm-hmm. got a big hunch for family history and has a big love mm-hmm. for holding on to those kinds of things. If there's nobody like that, what I usually do with clients is I take several pictures of the item and we basically make a stuff book where it's just a picture book of each and every item that really meant something to them and they write the story of it and the pictures are there And then they can pass that book on to the kids, and they can pass that, but it takes all these big items and takes it down to just one little teeny tiny book. And you can revisit those memories, revisit those moments, but you can also close the book and just put it on a shelf. It doesn't take up a whole shelf worth of stuff.
0: Good point. Or they can use it up.
1: Yes. Without waiting
0: for the queen to show up.
1: Yes. I mean, and it depends on the item, and it depends on your personal connection, and there's a lot of factors that go into there, but if letting it go now means in the future you're going to regret it, find a way to hold on to the memory without having to hold on to the item. Mm-hmm. I love picking in the little book, but, you know, there's other ways to do it. Take those ballet shoes and put them in a shadow box so you can hang them on the wall as an art piece. Mm. Um, you know you can get as creative with it as you want it's just make sure that you're maintaining the integrity of that memory or of that history for you
0: yeah and it brings you joy or uh, feels makes you feel warm and uh, and nice yeah
1: 100% if you don't have peace about it it's not the right solution
0: mm-hmm. powerful um so i have some questions so let me check Okay, so um, there was something you mentioned before. Um, I need to think about it. Um, Tell me, what's your typical day? Like somebody calls you and you show up at a client's house. So how does it work? I open the door to you. You come with this beautiful smile and warm Mm -hmm. personality. You come in my home. Because also, I guess you need to have the right attitude. You're a very empathetic person and very um, welcoming. Mm -hmm. Because if I had somebody where I felt judged, I would really struggle.
1: Exactly. Yeah, no, it's not every professional organizer is created equal. Some are going to create that gentler environment. And Mm -hmm. some people need more of like a military sergeant to come march Mm -hmm. in and just command you what to do. So I have to figure out what hat I need to wear before I walk in the door. Mm. Um, I usually start off gentle and welcoming and I do a free consult before I do any project or I do any Mm. job to make sure that I'm the right fit for them personality wise. Mm, mm, mm. And then usually by the end of that consult, I have figured out if somebody needs a firmer hand, you know, smack them upside the head and say, let's get to work. Or if they need a gentler approach of, okay, here's an item. What does this make you feel? How can you release it? What does this mean for you? And it's, it's a fine line to walk because you have to figure out what that is. So if I'm walking into a client's house, I start with an assessment Mm -hmm. because I have to know what I'm dealing with. And that assessment includes who they are as a person, as well as their space. Um, I've done everything from teenagers to small businesses, and it's, totally different trying to work with somebody who's 85 versus 15 or a business owner or a it's just a totally different experience each and every Mm. time I kind of pride myself a little bit on trying to tailor those experiences so that way we can get the most done in the least amount Mm. of time um but it it always starts with that initial assessment that's that's day one And I'll reassess as we go. So every time I walk in the door, I'm like, okay, let's do a walk through and let's see what the space is at. Because since I've last been here, I see that you've completely undone the closet and I see that you've completely ruined your drunk drawers. It's now full of junk again that has nothing to do with what this drawer is meant for, which is utility use. So it's, assessment, and then you jump into the project. So whatever that next step is, talking about mindset. Um, some people need to talk about it before they can do it. And some people just need to do it and talk about it as they're doing it. It's, uh, everything's up in the air. So it's weighing those variables and trying to figure out what's going to work best for the client.
0: Who do you find more resistant to let go, a teenager or a 85-year-old? <laughs>
1: Um, I've had both. So when, when I'm dealing with older folks, because of the history of the U S in general, they went through something called the great depression, which is basically Mm. they have access to decent food diversity. They didn't have, you know, like it was an incredibly scarce time in the U S. So anybody who grew up during that time period will often find themselves saying things like I might use it later. I might need it again, even though they haven't touched it for 10 years. That's still their mindset. because You saved everything during that time period because you weren't sure if you could get it again. You know, you weren't sure if you could get flour. You weren't sure if you could get, you know, light bulbs or, you know, anything really pots and pans. Everything was essentially measured out for people and rationed. So When I'm working with older folks, I'm dealing with that kind of mindset. And the teenagers, of course, they've grown up in an environment where they have to hold on to their stuff because human relationships and connections aren't, aren't as deep as they were for, you know, my Mm. generation and up. So for them, a lot of their value comes from stuff. So letting go of items is a lot harder for them if it has any sort of value, if it has any significance, if it has any sentimentality. It's hard for them to let go because their entire identity is wrapped up in stuff. Mm. So it's totally different. But, you know, and some people, you know, they live through the depression and they're still just as wasteful as every other person on the planet. And some people that are teenagers, they just don't care about stuff. They just have too much. or they don't have adequate storage so it looks crazy but really they don't really need to get rid of it. they just need to store it properly you know and it's again it's that balancing act of figuring out where exactly the client lives and how to get them through that mindset whatever it is that's holding them back
0: and I guess with an adult it's easier because the adult maybe have hired you the teenager doesn't feel like oh I need to change my life so maybe it's the parent who is calling, my kid is out of, like, out of control. So I guess yeah, they are a bit forced to to go through the change.
1: And that's exactly what happens with teenagers. Usually I can get a teenager on board. It's very rare that I can't get them excited about it. Because essentially what I do is I reward them through the process with, you know, let's get you you know, like make me a Pinterest board or cut out some pictures of what the dream bedroom looks like. Mm. And then as much as I can, I try to recreate that vision they have in their head of what the dream bedroom is like.
0: So it gets them excited about the
1: project. So they're a little bit interior design, but it's mostly just getting them excited about, you know, okay, you need new furniture because your stuff has no storage. You have three drawers. That's not enough you know let's let's look at what's online and what we can pick up for you locally and go from there so sometimes it's a little bit of bribery when it comes to teenagers <laughs> to get them it online. will
0: work with me too <laughs> the same thing i yeah, it works with most people but i'm just gonna blame the teenagers <laughs> yeah, i'm not very organized um what I have felt, uh, when you say that sometimes 85 people, uh, 85 years old people, they've been through the depression, they're like, oh, I might need this later. I actually mm-hmm. do the same, even if I never lived in scarcity, like never lived any era. like, And I'm like, oh, I might need this again. Or the jeans that I, when I was planted, like, oh, maybe one day this color will be back in fashion. No, never. <laughs> and uh, it's something I... I say to myself quite a bit, so it's also, I guess, more people than, well, it's it's a mindset
1: passed down, right, so it could have been your great-great-grandparents that developed that mindset, but they passed it on to your grandparents, and your grandparents Mm -hmm. passed it on to your parents, and they've, I mean, it might be a little more watered down, so it's easier for you to let go of stuff than what your great-grandparents would have been, but it's something that, those big moments of history have such a huge impact on the psychology and the mind of the people who lived through it, that it passes down through the family line. And, you know, I've worked with parents and, you know, the kids and then their kids, like I've, and I've been able to see how those kinds of generational pieces can fit together and pass down through the family. So it's, I, it's, I wear a lot of hats. Sometimes it's, psychologist sometimes it's organizer it just depends on the day
0: (laughs) how long have you been a a professional organizer
1: Uh, I've been doing it professionally for about two years now and then unprofessionally forever you know I just kind of did it when I was a kid go to my cousin's house and organize their rooms the room drove me crazy and you know it's just something I've always done which is why I started a business on it in the first place
0: awesome awesome so you always love this kind of, and it's like um what pushed you to what what's the aspect you love the most about your work oh my
1: goodness i mean there's a lot there's a lot of sat- satisfaction when a project gets finished and getting that before and after picture um oh, there's
0: yeah.
1: a, i'll send you a couple so you can see what i'm talking about
0: yeah um yes.
1: But, you know, you get a lot of satisfaction from that moment. You get a lot of satisfaction with helping somebody work through, you know, the emotional drudgery of their space and then how free somebody feels at the end of it. There's just a lot of satisfaction for me when my client looks at me at the end of the project and just, (sighs) yeah, in their space. And that's, it's just a really remarkable feeling. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, absurd.
0: yeah, like having a house more like a sanctuary with less stuff and only thing we love. Yeah. What would this say to all those humans like me that, oh, I need mm-hmm. to organize the place. Let me go first buy some boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Where to store the things. Thank you. I knew no. I knew you were no. going to tell me no. <laughs> oh,
1: no, okay. Follow the acronym SPACE. So you start by sorting everything. So all of your like items come together. Your pillows go with pillows in one bedroom. Your blankets with blankets. You know, your cups with cups. Your mugs with mugs. Your, you know, plates. With, everything gets separated out. From the whole, like if you're doing a whole house project, you just take everything out, and your house looks like a hurricane went through it. But everything gets stacked up with like items. Okay. I'm using clear tubs for this. So once you've kind of started that process you can see how many tubs you need and then I'll go pick up some clear plastic tubs because that way you can see everything then you purge you purge it all so space sort purge purge everything that doesn't bring you joy you don't need 20 plates you need like <laughs> six <laughs> you don't need 50 guitars you need like two Drop everything down to what the things that really matter most to you are and save sentimental for last. Do not start with sentimental. Do not make decisions on sentimental Mm. until you've been through everything else. Because if you start with sentimental, you're going to railroad yourself and you're going to just completely change direction and you're going to get wrapped up in the history and the stories and the memories and the, no, bad. (laughs) Start with everything else then you can assign things a new location you know your kitchen stuff goes back in the kitchen but maybe there's a cabinet that makes more sense than what it did before or a drawer for silverware that makes more sense than the one you had it in before you know reassign Mm -hmm. everything so that it works and functions for your life yes Then, then you can properly contain things that's when you can buy the cute baskets and the you know you can start sealing bins and make sure that you know they all stack up in the garage and they're labeled and then you have to the sort purge assign contain evaluate come back in a month and make sure that system works for you
0: powerful i'm going to write the acronyms down for whoever is watching and when you send me the picture i will end up i will add them at the end of the video so we can see the before and after And Amber, what's the thing you like the least about your job?
1: Oh, I make people cry. I mean, people are going through these big emotional items. And, you know, I'm basically like, okay, so do you want to keep this piece of junk? Because from my perspective, I don't know that there's a story attached to it. And I've had people just look at me and just bust into tears, you Mm -hmm. know, Because I didn't know it was sentimental and I thought it was trash, but really that was, you know, the can their grandfather kicked and met their grandmother and, Uh. you know, it's items that mean something to them, but mean nothing to an outsider. So trying Mm. to not make people cry is a big goal, Um, but it's not one I succeed at every time. And sometimes crying Mm. is cathartic and healthy and it's good, but... I don't like being the cause of it, though.
0: It makes me very uncomfortable. (laughs) I, as you know, I'm a therapist, and I am pro tears. Tears are Mm -hmm. cleansing, so I I wouldn't feel bad if I was you because you are so sweet and kind and empathetic. I just think you just trigger a thing, then they cry, they let it go, and then they're like, no, I want to keep this uh, rusted can because this can – Reminds me of my grandfather how he met my grandma. So mm-hmm. I think crying is sometimes bottle up emotions. So you're mm-hmm. also being a therapist at the moment if they cry. So I'm a pro-cryer person. Cry people if you need to, if it's appropriate, of course.
1: Yes, but I just I don't know. I don't like being the person that causes it. Like that's. No, no.
0: I just said <sighs> just a switch. Those tears are already inside there. Don't worry. Okay. No. So what kind of problems do you deal with?
1: Oh, man. People who call me because they know they need to declutter, but they can't actually let go of anything. That's really hard. Um, Because essentially it's just, you know, punching a brick wall. You know, the Mm. brick wall knows that it needs to come down, but I don't have the proper tools to force you into doing it. You have to be open and receptive to the process. Um, running into issues with like communication because Mm -hmm. we're dealing with such personal things. Not everyone's a good communicator when it comes to dealing with their environment Mm and their space. So kind of creating that vocabulary for people, constantly checking in with people's emotions, making sure people are okay. Um, decision fatigue is what happens when you've made too many decisions in a short amount of time and your brain gets tired. I mean, your brain's basically a muscle, and you know, I'm <laughs> I'm taking that muscle and I'm giving you one one crazy workout. <laughs> not everyone's sweating. ready to do that. Yeah, not everyone's ready to do that on yeah. a day basis. So, helping people not burn out in the process, and that that's probably one of the other big ones was not burning out. I mean, no. both for the client and for me, because it's a lot of decisions for me to make as well, but you know, I do it every day. So I've trained that muscle a little bit further than the average little older lady that's, you know, retiring or a little old man Mm -hmm. who wants to get back to his hobbies.
0: Mm -hmm. What kind of decision do you make?
1: Um, I mean, whether it's an item worth keeping, if it has any value, um, sentimental or financial, um, where it's going to live, what it gets categorized with, um, how to best maintain the integrity of that item so that it's stored properly, mm-hmm. making sure that anything that's got wood is not dealing with a bunch of water or anything like that. Um, yeah, like, you're, you're making six or seven decisions on each and every single item that comes into, into the field, and uh, get pretty exhausting when you have a household, thousand
0: 30, items 30,000 items we have
1: I, oh my I'm, gosh I mean everybody's a little bit different but if you have a big house then you know you're dealing with every junk drawer every closet every every picture every everything and especially if you have the hobby you know then you're having to make decisions about something you're passionate about you love doing but you haven't used that item for the last three years. So clearly you don't need it. But just in case you need it someday for your hobby, for the thing that makes you happy, mm. trying to make decisions about things that you're excited and passionate about is hard.
0: Yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. And also <laughs> the guilt, like when you have spent a lot of money on an item and you never used it, that feels hard to let go
1: let yourself down, but you really haven't. Mm. I mean, what you've done is essentially prove to yourself that that's not an item that sparked enough joy to be used. Mm. I mean, when you haven't used something, don't take it as a personal, you know, oh, I should have used it. I feel so bad. Take it as a, okay, I've already made my decision about it, whether I've said something or not. I mean, the decision's pretty clear because I haven't touched it. Mm. So So it has to go. Yeah, use it as an indicator, not as a guilt trip, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool, powerful. And uh, tell me, what are your main um, responsibilities as a professional?
1: Yeah, so each project's a little bit different. Um, For me, my job is to walk you through the process, teach you the skills so that you can do the process on your own and basically deputize you as a, a mini professional organizer, but for your own space, you know, I'm mm-hmm. teaching, you know, decision making, critical thinking, um, emotion processing, and just overall space organizing, um, mm. and I'm packaging it all into one cute little package and trying to get all of that through to you, so it's like trying to take a sip of a, fire, of a fire hose, you know, trying to teach you all of this in one little tiny moment
0: (laughs) that's powerful yeah I guess sometimes they call you back in a year or two years time again the same clients right
1: I have some clients that they just don't want to be a part of the process at all and I go in once a month and I go through and I organize their space again and I make sure everything's back where it's supposed to be and you know put away correctly and you know, those are fun because I always know where everything is. Uh, and then they'll be a text during the week. Hey, where is my whatever it may be? <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, third shelf from the left. I got you. Powerful.
0: You, <laughs> you have a good memory.
1: Uh, I very much like those find it games that you play as a kid. You know, I spy or where's Waldo? Oh. I don't know if you guys had those, but yeah. yeah, it's I love those looking for thing games and I've gotten very good at it since I started this business.
0: Amazing, amazing. It's like um, even if you're a client, you would remember where you put stuff. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. You really need to have a very good memory. So you see, something you use as a kid, as a game, is helping you now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing is wasted. All the skills we learn. Oh sound useful. Yeah. <laughs> and this is I guess between your passion to sort your cousins' bedrooms and this game that you loved, these two skills combine are making you a very successful organizer. Oh, so.
1: I mean, every little thing builds up to the moment you're at in your life right now, whether you know you're running a business or you're, you know, an accountant or whatever you're doing. Everything has led up to that moment, so embrace those skills from the past and try to incorporate your strengths into what you're currently doing.
0: Mm, yes, yes
1: that's my philosophy at least I don't know, but that's that's how I've chosen to live my life, and it's worked out so far.
0: Awesome, awesome. And Amber a curiosity, what skills, abilities, and personal attributes are essential to succeed in uh, this job in this field?
1: Yeah. Um, I've had to learn patience. It's not something that's come easily or naturally for me, but um, patience is huge because you can't rush that decision-making process. Um, Patience is huge. Also, empathy is pretty big because you're helping people process through those emotional items. And then the eye spy game is always really important because you know as things are moving and you're shifting somebody's entire house, their whole environment, mm. everything is in a different place. You know there's going to be a moment where they look at you and they go, "Where did the scissors go? Or where's my silverware? Or and you have to be able to pick up exactly where that is or find it quickly and easily. So it's yeah those are kind of the major skills that you got to start honing and refining. And I'd, I'd say I'm not an expert yet by any means. I've definitely got more learning and growing to do before I can take that well,
0: title. That's good thing. Otherwise, when uh, I think when we stop wanting to grow in our business is when we are ready to move to something else. So it's very good. Till we have this craving to learn more, there is no... It's impossible that one day we will learn everything about something. Because there is always something new coming up or a new person that, as we are all unique, Mm -hmm. that will challenge in a new way. So if you could do it all over again, would you choose the same path for yourself? And if not, what would you change?
1: I have done so much, learned so much doing what I do. It's definitely not the easiest path I could have taken. You know, a, a small part of me will always crave that security of the nine to five and the simplicity of some sort of simple 40 hour a week job or something. Mm-hmm. You know, just doing the easy route. Um, but I don't think I would have grown nearly as much as a person mm-hmm. in my integrity and my character if i'd pick the easy route so i would absolutely do this again Um, even though it's crazy and there's days where i think i'm losing my mind but i would i would 100% pick to do this every time
0: awesome awesome because it's amazing you're passionate and you're good so the world needs a person like you we need you (laughs) So yeah. it's very good that you are not in a nine to five because otherwise you will not be sharing with us your amazing skills.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm telling you, it's like, well, I'm not, for sure you already know. Your skills are pretty unique because I know organized people, but they don't know how to help me to become organized because they irritate me so it's like within five seconds. Like, get out. I will do it myself. It's like, do you really need this? Do you really need this? Do you really need this, Janine? Well, it's, it's cheap. Why do you need it? So I was like, so it's, it, you need to have the right um, personality. So I've tried to ask my friends, but they don't have much patience with me. And I don't, get like, I don't have patience with them either. It's like, I always need to explain myself. I want to keep this because I am quite good to let go of things, but I hold way too much for my taste. So mm. I don't have 15 sweaters but I have 8 <laughs> and uh, 10 pair of jeans and I use 3 so I love jeans <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean it's 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 a process it's not like it's a one and done project you have mm. to constantly go back and evaluate so I love the substitution rule right so once you've gotten to a place where you're you're okay with having 8 sweaters you want those 8 sweaters then every time you bring a new sweater into the house, one of the old ones has to go. You can't just keep adding, you have to substitute. So as soon as one new thing comes in, something of equal value or type or whatever it may be needs to leave.
0: Powerful, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's the way to keep the house from getting back to that cluttered state and needing to do another big long weekend or week long project.
0: I guess you work a lot in the weekends because most of the people work nine to five. So
1: uh, right now I'm working about seven days a week. So I oh just... my
0: <laughs> thank you for yeah, finding time to show up for this call.
1: There's a holiday this week. It was
0: oh, yes. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing. And Amber, what, have, what has been your biggest challenge since starting your business?
1: Oh, I mean there's so many to choose from um I would say my propensity to try and please people and make them happy so I've overextended myself at times beyond Mm. my ease and beyond my capacity to actually handle something um and I've I've hurt people doing that or hurt relationships doing that because you know I never see my husband or my clients disappointed because I wasn't able to deliver on something that I thought and believed I could pull off but really couldn't. Um mm. and trying to learn how to find balance in that and how to stop such a self-destructive habit has been kind of my journey over the last few months of mm. you know, okay, I'm just completely ending this portion of what I do because I used to sell items for clients. I don't do that anymore, so if you were doctored in on the old contract, I'll still finish those for you, but that's it. I'm not taking on anything else like that because it takes up a bunch of time that I don't have, and yeah. it takes up skills that I don't really have, so learning to find that balance of, you know, how to give the most value without actually overextending myself, yeah. and how to- really recognize my true value and where I'm actually the most gifted at so that I'm not spending all my time on my weaknesses, I'm spending it on my strengths.
0: Yes, you can hire somebody to deal with your weaknesses. Yes, and yeah.
1: that's where I've kind of been sitting at lately is, is trying to find that balance.
0: Yeah. yeah, because I believe it's good that when we work to work on our weaknesses to make them less weak, however, if we have a, something strong we should focus on that one too we can always hire somebody who can deal with the admin bits or stuff i mean mm-hmm. it's uh, i have i'm getting some help for marketing for example because i'm not good at it i don't know how where to start from <laughs> so i don't know
1: why people think they have to be good at everything you really it's don't it's
0: impossible and plus it's really draining because you need to then Like for example, you. How do you balance between business and personal life? As you work seven days a week lately, so how do you balance? (laughs) Tell us the secret. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, essentially,
1: I I play hard and I work hard. So Mm, you know, there's one night per week where I make sure that it's carved out for my husband, and then I make sure I have one night per week that's carved out for friends. and that's, that's essentially what I've done. Cause I know that this is a season of life and my husband's on board with me and my friends are on board with me that if I work super crazy hours and really, really hard for, you know, for me, I have a one year limit right now. I just hit my, the start of my one year left limit to work this hard mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna scale everything back. You know, I've hired mm-hmm. four employees, so I'm training them up. And by the end of the year, I'm hoping to have a few more that I can just start passing things off to. And I don't have to be at every job site. I don't have mm. to be involved in everything. I don't mm. have to be constantly present as well as doing all of the back-end business stuff. Yeah. So yeah. trying to find the balance for me means going insanely hard right now and then I'm going to take a year and just be mostly hands off of my business, and check in with people, obviously, not totally hands off, but let the people that I've trained to do what I do, just do it, see what happens. Mm. Eventually, I'm not going to want to run this business at this size forever, I'm either going to want to grow it, or sell it, and start a new project elsewhere, or we're gonna move, and this is such a location-based industry, mm. you know, it's, it's hard trying to figure out what the future holds. So I want to yeah. make sure it's able to do its thing. The business is able to do its thing on its own. And I'm not a hundred percent necessary for every moment for it to run. Awesome. So empowering my team to just take over and do their thing.
0: Yes. Good. Well done. <laughs> thank you ever so much. It was amazing. And thank you for being so generous to, to teach us uh, on how to be less clutter free, but you, of course, how will people be able to reach you? Because you're based in US, and exactly where?
1: Uh, I live on the West Coast, so I'm in Southern Oregon, so I'm just above California's border by like 20 minutes.
0: Which are the areas you cover for the people who eventually will live in the area?
1: Uh, if they live in the area, I basically do anything within 100 miles of me. Um, okay. And then I partner with some organizers up north so that way if I find anything further up north and I just I don't have the time to do that kind of drive mm-hmm. then I just pass them on as a referral up there and they take care of them
0: ah oh, great great but you also have an online course correct yeah, yeah so, so we I, can do it from all over the world as long um, as we have internet so yeah, tell so me more about that
1: a hundred percent so What I've done is I've created customizable plans for each and every project that you could have. So what you do is you shoot me an email and I'll walk you through that process of taking videos and photos of your space or whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, figuring out exactly what your goals are, Mm -hmm. and then providing a step-by-step plan to get you from point A to point B and getting you completely done start to finish
0: so awesome
1: yeah, awesome with that email so
0: give me an email <laughs> <laughs> awesome and uh, how can people reach you where can we find you well I'm already yeah. connected with you so I can share but the I will also share your website which has uh, some amazing pictures like I want that <laughs> room and I want that room and that <laughs> room. Uh, yeah my for yeah
1: my website's usually my best way of getting a hold of me I have a Facebook page that I don't do a whole lot with but I need to fix that one of these days when I have free time um (laughs) but usually my website is the best way to get a hold of me or email is a great way to get a hold of me
0: awesome awesome and the the online course how many days or how many weeks will it last from uh...
1: so it depends on the size of the project that's why it's okay So if you just want to tackle a room, like if you're just trying to do your living room, yeah, I mean, you can do that in a long day or, you know, in a, okay. you know if you're trying to do your whole house, I mean, that's going to depend on how much time you have to put into the project.
0: Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, that's and amazing. How, yeah. And how much you need to get done. So.
0: so if you want to work with her, you can be anywhere in the world. She can work online with you. Mm-hmm. There is anything else you would like to say, or just thanks for watching, guys, and I had a blast doing this, and
1: I hope that you got you know one little nugget out of here to go tackle that junk drawer, tackle that linen closet. Yes,
0: go, <laughs> you go, the clutter, let it go, let it go. It's so powerful, let it go. Yeah, amazing, Amber. It was amazing to have you, and thank you for finding time in your busy, busy schedule and giving us time during your holidays. I wish you all a lovely day, evening, whenever you're watching this video. Thanks everyone.
1: Bye.